47 samurai whose master was betrayed and killed by another lord, they became ronin, masterless samurai, disgraced by another man's treachery. And for three years they plotted, pretending to be thieves, mercenaries, even madmen that I didn't have time to do. And then one night they struck, slipping into the castle of their lord's betrayer, killing him. Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 180, and we're talking about Ronin. This great and fantastic film stars Robert De Niro, Sean Bean, Jean Renault, and Stellan Skarsgård. I'm your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark, what's the color of my outhouse, Slover. Brown. <laughs> well played, sir. Hey, hey, Ken. Ken. Yes. You know we're kind of like the Ronin in this movie, except that we do have a master, but we don't have a paycheck. <laughs> you can say that again, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty close to the to the mark. There. No, no, it's not close. It's right on the mark. <laughs> it's right on the mark. Uh, and also joining us is our other very good and dear friend, Ken. Uh, I didn't give you a cigarette because I'm management. Rony. <laughs> See? See what I mean? <laughs> we don't even get cigarettes. Oh, oh, oh. I, I, I just pulled out a bullet. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was distracted. Did you use a grapefruit spoon? <laughs> use a, a, a box cutter and uh, tweezers. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Oh, very well done. Sterilized it with vanilla vodka. And Diet Coke? Yes. Not rum chata? Oh. Uh, oh. Rum chata is not sterile. <laughs> Crazy? Especially if it... Well, never mind. Oh, goodness. Uh, all right, guys, our other very good and dear friend, and I'm just going to have to let you know um, from here on out, our other good and dear friend, Jeff, our favorite petting on the rail, Muncie. He is uh, probably going to be designated our special guest red shirt uh, from here on out. He's got a lot of... Uh, things going on right now so he will be popping in from time to time but because he's one of the co-founders of the show we will always give him his due so he sends his regrets and regards and looks forward to seeing us uh, on another uh, episode whenever he has the time but until that time comes we're going to be talking about Ronan and um, guys We've talked about this one a little bit in the past, I think, here here and there. I saw it a long time ago. It's been a while. And um, I watched it again, basically almost like a, like a first viewing. And uh, I don't remember the very first time I saw it, so the second time, I, I really enjoyed it. It made more sense. Mark, this is a favorite of yours. What do you think? Ah, oof. Yeah, I, you know, we kind of, this kind of popped on our radar because it hit the Amazon. It's streaming on Amazon. Yeah. If you're an Amazon Prime member. So, um, so for everybody, you know, I, I'm like you. I don't recall if I saw it in the theater. I might have, but it was one of those movies. It, it, 
and I think it's because John Frankenheimer, who did um, Seven Days in May, Grand Prix, Manchurian Candidate, um, Birdman of Alcatraz with Burt Lancaster, a lot of classics. It, it's kind of got this feel because of Frankenheimer of this throwback to a 70s kind of French connection yes. type of, oh, what's the Paul Newman movie with the great chase scene in the Mustang? Um, in California and San Francisco. Oh, you think a bullet? Bullet, yeah. That's not, that's not Paul Newman. But, but, but you know what I mean. Those, it, it, it's got that feel of that throwback, um, hard boiled kind of Serpico kind of hard boiled guys. Uh, it, it's just got this throwback feel to it that, that really gritty kind of, Hard, not hard, mean guys, but just very thorough, professional people doing a job, and it, it's carried by some great actors. Who, I, you know, Robert De Niro's a a a list actor, but they are all kind of character actors in the sense for this movie, and they play these great characters. And I'll, I'll say this up front: it's really not about the plot. It's more of a character study with kind of a plot and a gigantic MacGuffin. That is a head fake of a the ultimate MacGuffin. It is. I mean, this is what defined the MacGuffin. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hitchcock. Well, what, def- what happened was, you know, they got by the time they got this, they handed it off to uh, Jules and uh, Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Right. You know what? I almost kind of wonder. Well, yeah. Let's just be honest. We know who did that. Quentin Tarantino probably looked at and said, "Oh, ice skating or ice skating uh, box or yeah, uh, briefcase." briefcase. You know, and and guys, uh, just put a footnote here. Let's talk about what was in the suitcase at some point in the show. Did it blow up? Was it heavy? I I I I I, I have than a bread box. I have some thoughts as to what was in there. You know, it's really not about, it's really it's a not MacGuffin. about, it's a, yeah, the plot is, the, the plot is really about, um, the characters. And it, it's this gigantic chase. So don't pay too much attention to any detail of the plot. Right. It's more of a character study it, of, especially Jean Renault and Robert De Niro's characters who are in this movie. It's post Cold War. And all these Cold War, post-Cold War agents, a Frenchman, a Brit, supposedly in the SAS, played Sean Bean, doing great Sean Bean, Bobby De Niro, CIA, Stellan Skarsgård as a Russian, brought together by the IRA before things between the Brits and the IRA got sorted out. It's like these guys are all out of work and they need a job, and they don't care what the job is. And that's the premise. And then from there it becomes um, a cat and mouse movie, wouldn't you guys say? I agree. Ken, what do you think? Well, yeah, uh, uh, another movie, which, I mean, when Mark was leading up to it, I I almost had to blur it out and go, like, these characters have skills, certain skills they've developed (laughs) over a long life. Uh, And that's that's what it is. I mean, the the whole idea of the title, Ronin, is a throwback to the, you know, the masterless samurai in medieval Japan. These are, you know, Men that were highly trained to do espionage jobs, and now they're out of work, and they just got to make a living, and they're given a dirty job to do, 
And it's a very, there's a lot of, it's, it's a murky job where there's, they're not sure who's with them, who's against them, and, uh, what are they doing? We just commented, I mean, they're supposed to steal this MacGuffin, this case that who knows what's in the case. Uh, the Russian mob is involved. The intelligence services are lurking on the side, but it boils down to it's a, again, a character study of these individuals. And they all have their own quirks and personalities and, you know, they, they have a lot of interesting interactions and also interesting interactions with uh, a lot of other people. One thing I'll note about this, which really, you know, uh, I'm not quite like Steve. I went, I, I saw this first time maybe like eight years ago. Uh, so watching it, you know, I, I remembered basically what was going on. But when I was watching it, it really sunk into me that unlike a lot of other movies of this sort, they didn't pull, you know, Frankenheimer doesn't pull punches with the idea like, okay, when you're like doing these high speed car chases through urban centers and shooting off machine guns and blowing up stuff, it really sucks to be a bystander. <laughs> no the shit. Bystanders it, are dying like flies it, in this movie. Yes. In that a horrible is... way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but, but it's focused on the characters. So it's like, yeah, all these people are dying all around them, but they just keep going. You know, they don't stop to help. They just keep going on. And I was, you know, that kind of sunk into me and gave me a little bit of a moral quandary going like, do I really like these guys? I mean, they're just spreading death and destruction. I mean, that, that poor waiter. I mean, he's just standing there and he, you know, <laughs> takes 15 slugs from a, you know, submachine gun. Poor guy. I mean, what the hell? Yep. Well, and, and God help you if you got your car in the way of them. Oh, hello. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how many cars wrecked, but this is, this is a, it was famed and it still holds up as one of the best movies with car chases in it. And I, I do want to throw out that, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, this has a, a strong cast when they, when they assemble the team. You're sitting there looking, going like, okay, there's Robert De Niro, Jean Reno, uh, there's Stellan Skarsgård, there's Sean Bean, and then there's Skip Sutton. Yeah. And, you know, there's this, the, the, the driver, I mean, he's an American. Oh, yeah, Larry. Yeah, Larry. And the thing is, you know, something I learned when I was doing my research is Larry's like, a, he's an actor, but he's a highly regarded, like, you know, racer. And like, yeah. he, he, he did his own driving stunts in this movie. And oh, by the way, eighty cars were wrecked in this movie. I believe it. <laughs> I believe 80. it. Yeah, yeah. It, this, yeah. When they talked about the best uh, car chases, uh, forget about Road Warrior, Mad Max. No, this movie, boom, Barnum. Well, and they and and the other thing about that, while we're on that topic, they drove at speeds. I'm just reading from the trivia. They drove at speeds up to 120 miles an hour. Yeah. On, I mean, this on was not like in urban streets. This, this wasn't was like out like, in the middle of the desert. Yeah, this wasn't like thirty miles an hour and speed the film up. Yeah, or sixty miles an hour. No, and these were, and if you notice, most of these were, the cars were not, um, the the mom and dad, Oldsmobile. You know, these were Mercedes Benzes right. and Citroens yeah, and Beamers. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was some high end. Uh, material, shall we say? Yes. 
But, you know, uh, guys, you know, back to the movie and kind of what we talked about is that there's really no, there's really no, like, central plot to the movie. Like you said, I mean, the whole thing is built around, as we said, the MacGuffin. It's, we have to get the case. No one knows what's in the case. We have and the no case I- isn't even the what they're really after. In the end, it's not really the case. It's not? No. It's... The, the, the goal of the, the goal, well, the goal of Robert De Niro is not the case. No. The goal no. of Robert De Niro oh. is Seamus O'Rourke. Okay, see, we gotta get back to that, and, and, see, played, I, I, played I kinda, like, like any good espionage movie, there's layers of duplicity going mm-hmm. on, and they do a very good job of hiding it, I thought. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. Okay, and, and let me just say, because this may be one of those, <laughs> Movies. Let's, let's not do a spoiler. Yeah. Let's just, we're not, people haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Cause let's not ruin it, but yeah. let's just say there are, there are more objectives in this movie than meet the eye. Yeah. Because, yeah, we have to be very careful when we talk about it because this is a very complicated movie. And it there's, was, and it was, there's, well, and it was really at the end because like I said, it's, for me, this was almost a first viewing. I remember seeing it before, and it just—I like I said—I don't know. I—I I probably was making ham sandwiches during the meantime or whatever. But when I—I I actually sat and watched it, doing the clips and everything like that, and I'm like, oh, 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 okay, now I know what's going on. Well, and, it, and what it is is it's a misdirection movie because yes, and by that I mean it's yes. Look at Chase the MacGuffin, and then look over here. Yeah. But it's also a misdirection movie for the, for the, for like the Russian mob. The CIA is playing everybody. They have another agenda. Right. And no one knows it until the very end. And then only one guy finds out. Right. Only, only one other guy, other, one other main actor finds out that this whole thing was about one thing and everybody else. By the end, most of the people are dead. Well, there's that too. Well, well, yeah. you know, and the thing of it is, and, and that's a good point, Mark, because there was another movie that we did. This is, and, and it goes way back in the Man Cave archives, but Lucky Number Eleven. Yeah, it was the yeah. Kansas. It was the Kansas yeah. City Shuffle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. That's when yeah. I actually sat and watched it. I was like, holy crap! I think I've seen this before. Yeah. And we don't want to give it away because I don't know if a lot right. of people have seen this movie. Right. And, and, I, and have, I did not. They're going, yeah, I know what they mean. Yeah. I and I did not give anything away by even saying that because believe right. me, you, you're not going to get it until you watch the movie. So. And you've got to, this is, we might as well say, cause you said ham sandwich. You can watch this movie as an action movie and just take it from that. Yep. And, or you can watch this movie. Because also when you watch it a second time, and I don't know if you guys noticed it, there are tells in this movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's a lot of incidental characters who are very important. I mean, they're yes. on the, they're on the fringes or just contacts or. Well, Ron Perkins, the guy with yeah. the newspaper. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and again, it, there are tells in this movie, kind of like the sixth sense. When you go back and really watch it, you go, Oh. Yeah. Okay. It, it was telegraphed from day one. Right. Yes. But the short version is a bunch of -of out-of-work spies are brought together by the Irish to get a case. 
and one of them double crosses the others yep. to get the case to the Russian mob because he was going to get paid more. And a handful of them go after this guy to recover the case. Right. Okay. Here, okay, I'm just going to throw this out there just for shits and giggles because I think it'd be a fun what if. What do you think was in that case? Ken? Given the time frame and everything else, I'm going to say it's some, you know, Russian wonder weapon, like, you know, maybe, maybe some plutonium or a nuclear bomb trigger or something like that. See, they were, they were trying to steal it to make money to do their other stuff. They weren't stealing it for it itself is the, the feeling I had from it. I, th- I, I just went off the, the, the knee jerk reactions like the RE wants this around the time frame, suitcase nuke. Now, see, you're both wrong. Huh. It's too light. No, 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 you're both, you're both wrong. Okay. All right. It, oh. it's, it, Hans Gruber has sold the bear bonds. Son of a bitch must pay. It's bear bonds. <laughs> it's Damn not it. bear bonds. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Hans Gruber. Has gotten re- unloaded some of his bearer bonds. Oh shit! Here we go. I mean, Seamus Seamus was just doing it to yeah. finance his power play in the IRA. <laughs> so that makes sense. Hans Gruber knew Seamus from the days when they were, you know, you know, fighting against the imperialist pigs in NATO, and and Hans Gruber was trying to get him some bearer bonds. Well, so you're he was saying 20%. you're saying if this movie had a, a, a sequel. John McClane would have showed up. Everything ties back to Die Hard. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I defy you, gentlemen, to disperse the United States of America. Well, it goes back. This is it is a you know the whole concept of the, the MacGuffin is a classic trope in movies. There's times you just got to have the people chasing something. Well, and remember, the case disappears, and then yes. and then it reappears yes with whom john travolta and samuel l jackson yes well there you the go the bearer bond you know it is it, but it, bruce willis is trying exactly the circle is complete i rest kill, my who case kills john, who kills vincent vega i i rest my case gentlemen and who gets the case wow here we go Sticks it to Hans Gruber again in the end. <laughs> See, Mark, you can thank me later. Mark, that's, that's we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to have a flow chart. <laughs> we're gonna have to put it on the pod. We're gonna have to put it on the complex. Facebook page. No, okay. no, we just ask Beecham. Oh, Beecham can map it out. For yeah, us. Mr. Beecham, uh, can you get on get that? Get on that. Yeah. That's, I just have to point out that you know the, the reason Hans Gruber probably had to put these things on the market was by 1998 you couldn't get your 20 percent on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that. There you go. See? There yeah. you go. Yeah, 98. It was. Yeah, the, the market was a little shaky. Yeah, market was definitely plummeting. At See, that there you go. I've explained. That you're welcome. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I defy you to come up with a better explanation. I kind of stand in awe here. <laughs> And you know what? Here's the scary thing. I just did that off the top of my head. I know. That's that's what even scares me the most. <laughs> it must be the sign of the apocalypse. No, I think it's the sign of the beer. <laughs> We're going to be getting to that. Uh-huh. Guys, I've got to go in tonight, too, so bear with me. All right. So so we talked about you know the plot 
as it was. But like we said, this movie is really about character development and it's about the actors. And I really think we really need, we need to delve into them. Obviously we got, uh, you know, uh, the legendary, uh, Robert De Niro plays Sam and God, I mean, he's playing De Niro. I mean, he plays what he does. And, um, I totally forgot about Jean Reno in this movie. And oh, and he's great. You know, and they make, I would love to see a movie with the two of them together again. It, it, this is basically a buddy movie. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this question, guys. And I'm not giving away a spoiler. Were those two in cahoots, were they both? Do you know what I mean? No. no, I, no. Jean, Jean Reno was what he appeared to be. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. He uh, was, he was, he was, he was either a GIGN or. Yeah. I, I mean, they all had a background. Right. But, um, yeah, I just, I always kind of wondered a little bit no, about but, him. Yeah. He, he was, he was a loose agent. I mean, he was just, you know, okay. trying to make a buck. Yep. I tell you, the guy that I, well, again, this is the first movie that I've actually saw Sean Bean in that he didn't actually get killed in. Yes. I know. It's noteworthy. It is. He should have, I mean, he, they could have killed him. He should have been killed. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. almost felt, you know what? I actually, watching this movie with that, with, with him, I actually felt bad for him. I'm like, oh, I did too. You, oh, no, don't do this. It's Sean B. I like Sean B. Don't. <laughs> Don't make him out to be this. Well, it was, it, the, oh. the thing is, the, again, not to give things away, but he's. He is not what he, he appears he to be. He does a very good job playing his character. Yes. And, and you do kind of feel bad for the character. But then again, given that like, you know, he, he's probably lucky he got out when he got out. He's lucky they didn't just kill him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, when you think about the group that they were with, it's like, and you walked away with money? Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah. They, they should have probably just killed him just to straight point. I, I'm amazed. Cause they were, See, that's the kind of people they were dealing with. Yeah. They were dealing with some folks that had some sense of honor or, compassion or whatever but obviously it wouldn't have been the group that i'd have been running but yeah and i think also they're always like well you're just a douche so we're just gonna let you go but but they paid him too but that, and they paid him well yeah. and i think it was they paid him just because just go away yeah. and i yeah most people would have just killed you <laughs> i was gonna say but he would have been in the dumpster him. with the rest of the trash yeah oh yeah but no and, i but it, and like, i felt i'm like you i'm like Oh man, really? When I first saw this, I'm like, oh god, we gotta do, we're, Sean Bean's a crap weasel? That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, cause, you know, generally when you see Sean Bean in a movie, especially like, you know, in this time frame, he's a rough, tough action hero. Yeah. But, you know, he'd done the Sharp series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not the same thing, but it's almost like the, uh, Steven Seagal exit. Steven Seagal! Steven Seagal! <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? You know, executive action. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the whole yeah. thing of like, when you, when you went into this movie, you're like, oh wow, Sean Bean, he, you know, he's going to be kicking ass all over the place. Well, maybe not. 
Yeah, well, Steven Seagal in the executive action. Steven he- Seagal! <laughs> I made my laugh in the movies. <laughs> but for the rest of my life, I was a real policeman. Yeah, in months. <laughs> in New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. In Nolans, Nol- I should say. Nolans. No, but Sean B, I mean, when Steven Seagal in, in executive action, I mean, he, I mean, he went out as a hero. Sean Bean kind of went out. This is here. Take this wild cash out. Yeah, get and get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and we know who you are. That's yeah. It, I don't know. I I. It's one of those things that maybe because at that time he wasn't that well known. But I was always like, oh no, not Sean Bean. Oh, so Sean Bean was well known back then. Was he? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, he was definitely. I guess he was. Yeah. I guess you're yeah, right. He was definitely up there. I mean, he was not a Robert De Niro or John Renault level, but he was definitely a well-known guy. I mean, who was really through me was Stellan Skarsgård because I can remember when I saw this yeah. the first time. Yeah, that he was a, you know, he was a that character was a cipher because I didn't know Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård has had a lot. I mean, this is eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, he's done a lot. And I mean, for those of you that are, you know, watching, you know, modern movies, uh, you know, where you really see him nowadays, I mean, he's very busy, but he was in like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but more than that, he was in King Arthur. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ken's favorite he's, movie. He's been in all those Marvel movies. He's a uh, Dr. Selvig. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's a recurring character in all the Marvel movies. So, I mean, if you watch all the Marvel movies, you know who we're talking about. You know, see the Danish professor. Uh, but in this one, he's playing a Russian. But yeah, when, when I watched this the first time, you know, it's just some anonymous dude who's a Russian spy. I mean, that's sort of what who he was. Crunk, and he is a bastard. Yes, he is. Yes. He goes the out scene, of his way to be a bastard. The scene with the little girl? Yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> I had forgotten that scene. I'm like, no. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that guy he's dealing with was like, what the hell? What are you yeah. thinking? Yeah, the guy he's dealing with is a son of a bitch. And is like, uh, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy he's dealing with is bad. Yeah, he's <laughs> like Russian mafia. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, the other guy uh, we have to talk about, obviously, is Jean Renault. Yes. And we've seen him in, well, let's see, we, we did with the professional. Yes. And uh, I'm trying, guys, help me out. Well, actually, I have probably have to remember. He was in the, uh, night, the 1998, uh, Godzilla. 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 Which, which Jeff Muncy took me to go watch. Oh, God, I'm sorry. And you're still friends. Yeah. He was in Da Vinci Code. Nope. That's and Jeff he, texting you right now. He said, Godzilla. No, uh, it's actually somebody else. <laughs> sorry about that. I'll That's right. Sound off on my phone. Um, he was in that movie. Yeah, yeah. he was God. in Godzilla. He, he was, was in that Fly Boys, which was eh, a mythic. No, we're, we're talking about I, hit I, miss movies. Fly Boys was a hit and miss movie. I, I, I'll tell you what, guys. Well, again, quick sidebar. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll just, Fly Boys I, is not a bad movie. Yeah, it's. I would watch it again. I would do it on the show. It's worth a review. Maybe yeah. we'll need, put it on the list. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. No, but he's Jean Renault is very, very busy. 
And I'll just make this point that as a, with my background in accounting, I, I respect the man because <laughs> he got, he got tired of the French very, uh, very, uh, progressive tax system and he moved to Belgium as a tax dodge and now he's a Belgian. You know what? Good for him. Well, wow. there you go. All right, guys. Uh, two more people I want to just give brief mentions to. Uh, one is Michael Lodsdale. And he plays Jean-Pierre, and you saw him. He was the guy yes. that actually was... Um, Doctor. He, well... Do- he was the one painting the miniatures of the yes. 47 Ronin. Yes. And um, for those of you who don't know who he is, the only two movies I've ever seen him in were um, uh, Name of the Rose. He was yep. a, he was a monk there. and a, one, That is a great book and a great movie. Yeah, And that is yes. one we're going to get on the list. Real we should soon. do the name of the road. Name it of the road. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I mean, what's what's more man cave-ish than a monastery? Okay, and then he was Hugo Drax, <laughs> and Hugo Drax in one of the greatest Bond movies ever made. <laughs> no. no, it wasn't. Yes, no. it was. No, no, it was not. No, <laughs> I throw the bullshit flag. No, I'm kidding because you're absolutely oh, right. It was God. Like, he was in like the worst Bond movie. Well, I, no, I take that back. I don't. Okay, was Moonraker as bad as any of the uh, Timothy Dalton ones? He Moonraker was, was not as bad as Octopussy, but it was. Oh bad. come on, Octopus! It was, was it was in the tail end of the Moore era. Yeah, yeah, that's and those were the, that was the nadir of the Bond series. I'll still say Timothy Dalton, fine Bond, kind of weak stories, but I mean that's not his fault. But, you know, when, when, by the time he got the Moonraker, you know, more was phoning oh. it in. Well, Michael Lonsdale was in two other things that people may be familiar with. Day of the Jackal. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Day of the Jackal. And then the miniseries, The Bunker. He played Martin Borman. And the Bunker was Anthony Hopkins as Hitler. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I forgot he played about Borman. That one too. Wow. He, the, and he was also, you know, if you got hauled to it, The Remains of the Day, which was a one of those Merchant Ivory movies of the late, of the early 90s. Yes. But he, he, yeah, you've seen him around and stuff, but he's, he, I love him in this movie. He's only in it for 10 or 15 minutes, but yeah. he's kind of this, he's kind of this grounding character. Yes. Because yeah. he, he makes, he, he kind of makes both Jean Renault and Bobby De Niro both kind of recognize who they are. Yes, that's a great point, Steve. That's a great point. Yeah, it's like, I'm, yeah, it's like you, I, I'm making you realize why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah, and it all takes place around, he's painting miniatures of the Ronin, the, the, for, the attack of the 47 Ronin. And if you've, if he's you've, making a diorama. Yeah, and it and it's really a nice. I mean, like, damn, it's a really nice diorama. Yeah, that's it. As as professionals in this area yourselves, what do oh, you think of this painting technique? I I'm jealous, especially when you're painting lacquer armor. Um, it, it's a cool. You know, yeah, obviously somebody else made it for him, but he looks like he's actually. I mean, he looks like one of us. He's got his painting table. <laughs> he's he. You know, 
He looks like he knows his craft. And if you're not familiar with the 47 Ronin, I mean, they give a good outline of it. And a great movie, hard to find, is called Shishingura. Great Japanese movie about the 47 Ronin. Not, not the Keanu Reeves piece of shit. <laughs> Here we go. God. Well, what about, there was a 47 Ronin made in Japan. Yeah, like, it's called, it's called Shishingura. Okay. But I, hard, I, I've seen that. Yeah, it is, it's fantastic. Shishingura is fantastic. Yeah. 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves. Nothing to do with the legend. It's probably I I mean, I've never seen it, but I get the impression that's the that's their version of the three hundred. They're yeah. just yeah, it is just, yeah. It's a classic yeah. Japanese. There, you know, tape. we have the Alamo. Yeah, Greeks have the three hundred. Right. The Japanese have the forty seven Roman. Yeah. yeah, and it it's a cool story. I mean, you know, it's a very Japanese story, and right. I like the way that Michael Lonsdale lays it out for Bobby De Niro. Right. I did like that interplay between them. Yeah. Where, I mean, going back to our conversation about, well, they just should have killed Sean Bean. I mean, he's sitting there going, like, well, you know, basically, are you going to kill me too? I mean, you're going to kill me? Because, like, that was reasonable. I, I, I thought that was, I, I didn't see that coming, but it's like, yeah, I actually could see where if these guys are hard-boiled agents on the run or something, like, they're not going to leave anybody around to tell the tale. True. I agree. All right, guys, last um, actor in this movie I want to talk about, and actually it's the only female role in the whole movie, is uh, Natasha McElhone. And I did pronounce her name right because I actually made a point of going out and um, – researching it and that's how you pronounce it. Mackle. She has the she has the most striking jawline. Uh, oh I, guys, I, I'm just gonna say right off the bat, is she attractive? I mean there's something attractive about her, but then there's something that's like it just completely turns me off. I don't She's know. all planes and angles. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. She has a very she has a very angular face, very pronounced cheekbones, very pronounced jawline. But she, she's attractive. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah. not like I look at her and go, Oh God. Very she's, attractive. She's and, you know, attractive, but then there's something about her that goes, and eh, there's something that's, I mean, the, the weird thing about her in this, and I, I'm not dogging her, but I mean, she's an English actress and she had to, pl you know, had to talk with an Irish brogue. And I don't know what that was. She was talking, but it was, I, I, I don't uh, think that was a real Irish brogue. Half of yeah. her is Irish. I think her mother. Is Irish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's and half he, Irish. I, and she's, she's not she's, given a lot to work with in this movie. No. But what she does have, I, I, I think, you know, because you're, she does a fairly good job and they kind of, Frankenheimer kind of plays around the edges of, is this kind of a love interest between her and De Niro, which that doesn't work. Well, um, and is say, it a honey trap? And that really doesn't work. No. Yeah. Yeah. But but it was for a female actress to, and you know, for a female character to assume the role she played and pull it off. Uh, I I mean I was not you know some 
with a different actress, I would have gone like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, whatever, right. But no, this one's was, like, no, she, 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 she convinced me. She's yeah, she's doing it. She, she, she's standing up to some very strong characters and still maintaining her uh, strategy or whatever. Well, well, and I like because you're right. I will give her credit. She, she played kind of. She was very tough, rather hard. Yeah, she didn't back down. No. Well, she kept going. Down. She's very, yeah. very persistent, uh, just like everybody else in this movie. Yeah. Well, and that's what I liked about her because, like I said, I mean, and when I talk about her looks, I'm not trying to be like superficial, but no, no I get that. It was that she's. She's attractive, but there's something about her that just turned me off. And I don't know what it was. And it wasn't her, it wasn't her appearance because, I mean, I mean, the woman's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. But she she was playing a a very tough, very abrasive character. See, and the thing of it is, is that's, that's what, just full disclosure, that's one thing that Deb always teases about me is like, you kind of like those, like, rough women. I'm like, no, I don't like rough women. I like strong women. I, I mean, like, you know, to me, I don't have a big issue with, like, female superhero characters. Like I said, you know, the Resident Evil movies, you know, Mila, you know, she's kicking ass, taking names, whatever. I love that stuff. Uh, Under, Underworld, you know, Kate Beckinsale, just, I mean, I think that's great. I'm not intimidated by that. It, I think that's great. So it's not like it's, but there was something about her character, and I don't know what it was, that just, I don't know. It it just kind of turned me off a little bit. Not that it was, um, that it made her less attractive, but it just, I don't know. There was something about her portrayal. Well, she, she had to be very flinty because she was playing both ends. And maybe she, that was it. Maybe she had that, to be very flinty. Yeah. Because she had, the situation had spiraled out of control. She had someone leaning on her, and she was still trying to manipulate you know, the crew. I think that's it. She, she had to had play the, tr- the game. She, she had, had the play had sides. To, she had the betray. And I think that's what turned me off about her. Right. And I think that's, but I think that's also well, that's very, again, very subtly but well shown yes. at the end of the movie where Bobby De Niro cuts her a break. Robert De Niro, and, and, A, A, he likes her. Yes. Personally. But B, he realizes, oh, shit, she got played just as badly as we did. Yes. And he knew that, too. And I remember it was Jean Reno. I said, why didn't he shoot her? He just right. he just gave her, the, he, he gave him that look. Like, right. Don't ask. <laughs> right. Just don't go there. Yeah, don't go there. Physically, you know, we, we mentioned she's very, her facial features are very angular, but you know where I thought she was, and she's a very striking actress, but where she was extraordinarily beautiful was where she was dressed in that suit or that dress. Oh my god. She had her hair pulled back. Oh my god, yes. It, it, it just really accentuated her face and it just, it, she just has this aura about her. And I think that's something that's really striking about her is, she she just there's an aura that comes off of her. Yes, when yeah. you see her on the screen, and it's it's kind of hard to explain. And if you see the movie, I think people will get what because you see her and she's in a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt or whatever, and then you see her in a couple other settings, and you're like, wow, this is this is a very attractive woman, but who can blend in? 
Right. Well, well and, and she again, is a very busy actress. I mean, she. Oh yeah. I mean, look at her filmography. She starts in '96. She did the Truman Show back then. She did this, but she. I mean, her last role was 2015. Yeah, she did so, Californication. I mean, yeah, she was in Californication. She, I mean, she's doing something about every year. So she's a very busy actress. And I, but the thing is, I, for whatever reason, when I look at what she's done, it's like, yeah, I just, that she's not, not doing this kind of stuff that I watch. Right. Right. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. But, you know, I, and as the only female in the movie, um, I think she, you know, she's got to play, against strong male roles and I think she does a fantastic job of holding her own against these hard-boiled guys. Yes. I mean, she even walks Stellan Skarsgård back a couple times. Yeah. And he's he's a sociopath of the First Order in this movie as Gregor. Yes. Yes, yes he is. He is. And no, she he even, is. He's, he's, he is just again, Skarsgård is, you know, I you know, I can, back when this came out, in this role, he did a great job of portraying that character. Yep. As a, you know, just a crazed, menacing, you know, desperate guy. And he had, you know, I mean, it's a portent of what he grew into. I mean, he was doing a lot of good stuff back then. I, it wasn't on my radar screen. This was probably the first time I saw him in a movie. But again, back then I didn't notice him. But yeah, knowing what he's, done since. Oh, yeah, he's he's uh, he is a very good actor. I do have to, to, to make a slight difference when we're saying that, uh, you know, Natasha McElow is the only actor. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's kind of a it's kind of a, uh, a cameo. Yeah. But oh. Katarina Witz. Katarina Witz. Famed Olympic yep. skater. Yes. Has a pretty important role and she has speaking parts and everything else. And she does a solid little job. Yes. I mean you you identify who she is and what she's up to and Yeah. And I'll tell you what, there is a girl at my local gym that is the spitting image and has the exact body of her. That's not a bad thing to have. No. Mm. You're right. Thank you for mentioning that. And she you know, you think, okay, she's just you know, she's a gold medalist for the East Germans back in the day, but she's a she turns in a solid little role. Yes, it's not like oh, I she must does. kiss this bald Russian fellow now. No, <laughs> no she, it was it was you 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 without saying much or doing much, you're like I understand this woman and where she's coming from, and what she's up to, and everything yeah. else, and I, I I want good things for her. I mean, yeah. I kind of like her, and I didn't really like what happened to her. No, I don't. Uh, no, she I... was an innocent in the Yes. Movie. Yeah, she had no idea. Well, she's just one more of those bystanders. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she was one of them. I mean, well, this well, was. Well, and speaking of which, real quick, that was another guy I really, I really was, of, of all of the characters in the movie, the one that I was really like, you know what, son of a bitch must pay, is what happened to Larry. You know, when, when Gregor does that it's like that's you know what it was business now it's personal and that kind of is what happens with jean renault and robert de niro they're even kind of like now it's personal yeah because of what he does to larry yeah that that was just that was brutal for the reason for just brutality's sake Mm -hmm. 
in my mind. Right. And I may be, that may not be the case, but I just thought, wow, really? Yeah. One thing, too, well, actually, two things I want to mention about just the way they wrote this and put it together. Uh, I thought they did a really nice job of filming it on location in a variety of places in France. Right. Yes. Uh, You know. And a big part of that is tying back to what we were talking about with the car chases. You know, like it or not, you know, if you're filming in French cities and towns, things are kind of claustrophobic, kind of squeezed together. It's hard to get away. It's, you know, you, the fact that you're running through the streets fast is, you know, kind of intimidating. So they did a really nice job of finding interesting locations and filming it. Uh, And you know what just, this reminded me of, Ken, in that what? sense? A movie that, when I thought about it, felt like it borrowed from this movie was the first Transporter movie. Yeah. Because yeah. it takes place in, in kind of the south of France. It felt, and not in a bad way, but more in an homage kind of way, of it, it felt like it borrowed heavily from this movie. In the you sense may of be right. locale it, it, and car chases. Yes. Yes, again, the, the transporter movies are a little more simplistic than this, but yeah, you know, well, yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that. No, it's, the first one's great. Yeah, yeah, so, they, an, they, an, they could stop thing, from there. They could stop mm, from the first transporter movie. That's it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And the Trans, yeah, tra- the first transporter movie was, was and fine. that's a man cave movie good, we should do. We should, we should. But before we do that, gentlemen, it is that time. We have to move on to Brother What You Drinking. Mark, what do you got? Bring it. I'm really torn on this beer. Mm. Oh, my I, goodness. I really want to like this beer, but, I, you know, Ooh. yeah, it's Stone. It's Stone Brewery. Ooh. Right. And it's an anniversary beer. It's their sixth anniversary porter. So... Mm. It's a porter, right, Steve? Now you go into a porter with preconceived. Yes, I know. I know where you're going. Yeah. You know what you but expect you, but from you, a porter. But you bought a stone beer, right? And they decided to hop the shit out of the porter. Well, you knew that going in, didn't you? Well, no, I read the description. <laughs> okay. And they didn't. Son of a. <laughs> okay. But I and the first. The first drink I took of it, it was like, somebody put a sweet tart in my (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not happy. Not happy. Not happy, Bob. Not happy. Um, And the more, but I got to say, now I'm not going to buy another one. And I questioned if I was going to finish it because somebody put a sweet tart in my effing porter. But as I got through it, it it grew on me. Now, I'm not going to say this is going to be a porter I'm ever going to buy again. But if you want something that is very unique in the realm of porter, and I, I'm being generous because they labeled it a porter. Um, if you like hops and you like porter, I would say it's a hop porter. Um, wow. Then I would say try it. And here's the kicker. It's 8% alcohol, which is unusual for a porter. Holy shit. 
Right. It is. So they, they hop the shit out of this. That's, that's like half a porter. I, right. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, so, um, if you like hoppy beer, but you don't, but it's, you know, not pucker you up and you like a porter, you might want to try this, but I'm not going to have another one of these. And I love stone. I'm like you, Steve. I love stone, but that. Yeah. I just have a preconceived notion when I buy a porter, I'm like, mm, yummy. Well, if you, if, but uh, here's the thing. If you're going to buy a stone beer, get ready for the hops. Those guys love the hops. I know, but yeah. I just thought, you know, yep. anniversary porter, yep. maybe they, nope. Yep. No. So I'm just, actually, I, I will say this, and it's gotten colder where I am. We had a cold, cold front push through. You guys may have had the same thing. Oh, yeah. Believe this. We had it. Yeah, you too. So <laughs> yep. I wanted a porter. Right? Yes. It's a little cooler. Yep. This would be great if it was 85 degrees plus. This would be a neat porter to drink if it was really hot. But it's not. Wow. So dad, daddy's not happy. <laughs> so daddy's got to go for the, ah, yes. Daddy's going next for the Sun King Weemac. There you go. There Sun you go. Sun King. Indy. Indy. Because Indy. if it's. Not Scottish. It's crap. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm out. All right. Well done. Well, thank you, Mark. I tell you, guys, um, I'll tell you what, what I'm drinking here, I, this thing's been like sitting in my cooler for about, uh, going on three weeks now. Uh, my mom sent this down to me. It is the, uh, for my dear and good friends from the Three Floyds Brewing Company up in Munster. In the Anna, the region. In the region. The region. Uh, the, the Three Floyds Brewing Company, it is the Crescendo of Doom. <laughs> that is the name of the beer. It is a tactical lager brewed <laughs> in Munster, Indiana. And guys. Not a strategic lager. I am going to actually take a picture of it. I am going to put it on the Facebook page. Now, this, because this might be a squad leader reference. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God. Is there an, is there an eight four leader? Um, they don't show it. I, I actually am going to take a picture of the whole label and I will put it up there, but it's, it's pretty freaking awesome. Um, I have no, it's a lager. It's, it's a little hoppy, but to be honest with you, it, it reminds me a little bit of the gumball head of their, their wheat beer. Uh, I like it. It's a, um, hold on. Yeah, it, it gives me a little bit of their, well, again, because I've had the gumball head. They call it their lager, but, uh, it's hoppy, but very good though. Very sweet. I have absolutely no idea what the ABV on this thing is. You say it's a lager. Is it a light colored lager or is it like a black lager? I, to be honest with you guys, it looks more like a wheat beer. It's, it, hmm, cloud. Yeah. It's, well, I'm going to take a picture of the beer. I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to show, you know, just so you know I'm not lying. And I will put this on the uh, the Facebook page so you know I'm not making this shit up. Yes, it's called the Crescendo of Doom. They call it a lager. It tastes a little bit hoppy, and it's got the color of a wheat beer. So I have no idea what the hell they're doing there. All I have to say is, oh, my God, it's fantastic. I would, oh. Great summer beer. Drink this thing all the time. It is 
Uh, but then again, for the price, no, I couldn't afford it. So. How much? How much is a bottle? <laughs> well, I've got one of those uh, the big bottles. It's twelve bucks. <gasps> yeah. All right. So last and certainly not least, it's now time for catching up with Ken. My darling, all right, Ken, what's the highlights? Well, it'll be a short report because since the last podcast, I've been busy with work in the day, and it's just worked out. There's not much social activities going on, so I've been hitting the gym pretty heavy and awesome. eating light and refraining from drinking, and I've lost about an inch on my waist and toned up a bit. but. I did go out tonight, uh, joined some guys from work, and went down to a place called Tappers, right by uh, my office, which is an arcade bar. It's basically an homage to about, let's say, 1988 arcade lifestyle. They're playing the music you had heard then. They're playing the movies. The walls are decorated. I, I actually shot a text off to these guys to show that they've got Conan up there on the wall. They got David Lopan on the wall. They got Max Headroom on the wall. Uh, and then they got all sorts of classic video machines. And so like, you know, my boss played some, uh, space invader and we did that shootout game. I forget what it was. We had the cops and the pistols. I almost played asteroids, but they're all, you know, renovated just like they were back in, the day, uh, nice throwback. And uh, while there, they had a pretty extensive beer list. I had a uh, flat 12 amber, and it evidently had a pretty high ABV because I, by the time I was done, I dropped my glass and smashed it and had to come <laughs> and clean it up. And my boss, you know, my boss was there, so it's always good to have you know be, be dropping glasses when your boss is watching. Uh, and then when I left there, I drove up the road to Sun King. I'm throwing a party tomorrow night, and I wanted to get some Sun King cream ale. So I took my growler in to get it filled. And Friday nights at Sun King, they have a tasting. And so I tried a couple of their new beers. One I was telling Mark about, I think when Steve was offline here, was uh, I think they call it Velvet Dream. It's a bur it's an ale aged in bourbon barrels. Very tasty with a 10.4 ABV. And then coming in lower, uh, was I tried their rye as well, which was, you know, it was good, but it's a rye beer. I mean, it might not be right to say if you've had one, you've had them all, but you know, it's, it tastes like a rye beer. Having said that, that was about it. So like I said, I've been a, a pretty, Busy boy with my nose at the grindstone the past few weeks. So if you're, man, I'm going to have to start living vicariously through Steve. Damn. That's not saying much. No. I mean, okay. It is what I, it is. I better, I better step up my game. That's all I can say. All right. Well, there you go. That is it with the uh, brother with you drinking and catching up with Ken. And we are now going to move on to one of our favorite parts of the show. And that is clips. I've got a few. All right, number one. What were you doing back here? Lady, I never walk into a place I don't know how to walk out of. I like that. I like the beginning. 
where you don't know why he's doing what he's doing. Right. You're like, he's staking out the place. He's trying to figure out, all right, well, let's see what's going on here. So, yep. all right, number two. You ever kill anybody? I hurt somebody's feelings once. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I think he has killed somebody. <laughs> I heard somebody more, more than one. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Ken, this is you. In labor management. If I was management, I wouldn't have given you a cigarette. <laughs> Sean yeah. Renault is so deadpan in this movie. He is. I tell you, I love that guy. in a good way. Yes, he's he's awesome. Well, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word, laconic conversations. Yes. Where, like that one scene of like, it was like, you, Vienna. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So, so this is like a word like Vienna. It's like, oh, that explains everything. Something big happened in Vienna. As a watcher, you don't need to know. You just know something big and bad happened in Vienna. And that's and, how these guys met. Yeah. Right. These guys crossed swords. Yeah. But it wasn't personal. Yeah. No. All right, next. You know, I actually failed your old 1911. 45. Old gun. Served my country well. <laughs> uh, 45 ACP, you cannot argue with. Right. No. All right. But I having said that, through this movie, he wasn't wedded to the 1911. Oh, no. no. He was pretty eclectic when it came to firepower. I tell you what, this is the one time, this is the one scene from the very first time I saw this movie that resonated with me. And I don't remember anything else. But So here's the clip. Car comes through here. Shooters across from each other, kill each other dead. Oh my, where'd you learn that? Huh? In a regiment. What regiment was that? The 22nd Special Air Service. What's the color of the boathouse in here for? What's the color of the boathouse and here? I don't like your attitude. The color of the boathouse. Oh, fuck off! Yeah, when he pushes Sean Bean. Well, he already figured it out during yeah. the ambush. It's like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. It kind of set the tone for, like, the second act of the movie. Right. Because who was in charge? Right. Yeah. All right, next. So what color is the boat house at Hereford? How the f*** did I know? Because <laughs> he had no idea either. But what I love about it is he had basically confirmed his credentials. Right, right. N no one was questioning that he was what he said he was. Exactly. Well, no one said what they were, but right. intimated. Right. Yeah. All right, next. There's no more help. There's no more men. Are you afraid? Of course I'm afraid. You think I'm reluctant because I'm happy? <laughs> okay, number eight. You think you can stitch me up on your own? If you don't mind, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> uh, that scene is... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Because after that, rough. it's like, okay, I'm done. All right, number nine. Under the bridge, by the river. How did you know it was an ambush? Whenever there is any doubt, there is no doubt. 
That's the first thing they teach them. I, I like those quotes, which keep shifting yeah. throughout the movie. Right. All right, last and certainly not least. No questions, no answers. That's the business for you. You accept it and move on. Maybe that's lesson number three. You know, here here's the thing. I just got to say, John Renault's one of those actors, if he's in it, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Yes. There's just something about the guy. I just really respect and and enjoy the way he just inhabits a role. It, it, I can't say it any other way. No, I agree. All right, well, there you go, folks. That is it with the clips of this great and fantastic movie. We are now moving on to the great and fantastic films and the top ten films of 1998. Ken? Yes. Yes. I'll talk. I'll talk. And like I often do, I'm going to talk about a few movies that were not in the top ten but nonetheless are worth a comment. One of them is The Big Lebowski. I like that movie. Okay. All right. It's, See, that's, I mentioned it because I knew Steve uh, is cold, but I think you know, Mark was hot. Now man, it's, maybe, <laughs> I'm not cold. The I'm, rug tied the room together. I'm not cold. I'm Pluto. I'm uh, nice, nice marmot. <laughs> <laughs> nice marmot. It's a fun movie. Yes. Big Lebowski is a fun movie, a caper movie. It's a movie you got to pay attention to, sort of like this one we're talking about. And and it kind of and it does lose its way, but finds its way back. Yes, it does. Another movie, which I'll tell you, when I saw the trailer, I was going like, "That looks awesome! I can't wait for this to come out." And then it came out, and I saw the cast. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that cast! This is going to be great." The Thin Red Line. Oh! 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 It's a, it's a movie version of a classic book, sort of a sequel to From Here to Eternity. Awesome cast. Big cast. But it's all about the Battle of Guadalcanal. It but wanders. But yeah, it wanders. You'll be sitting there going like, oh, they're getting ready to assault the Japanese positions. Let's let's look at this lizard on a leaf for the next yeah. and it's Right. Let's it, do dumb shit like walk along the ridge line so we're completely silhouetted. Yeah, it it was disappointing. Part I mean, visually impressive, but yeah, very disappointing. It, it, ah. All right. Getting into the top ten. Starting at number four, or number ten. Wow. At number ten is Lethal Weapon 4. Really? That's the one with Jet Li and Renee Russo. Uh, Renee Russo was like in like all the weapon movies. Wow. Yeah. Okay, moving on. And number nine, a movie I went to on a date, which won the Oscar, Shakespeare in Love. Ah, oh, I did too. I, I, wanted, I wanted to gouge my eyes out. Oof. At number eight, it was a, aimed at the kids. It was okay, I guess, for that. It was Dr. Doolittle. 
with Eddie Murphy. Oh no! Talking. Why? What? Why? Why remake a classic? Well, he did it. That was eighteen Lord. years ago. Number seven, Mulan from Disney. Move on. Okay. 1998 was an interesting year. You don't say. Because I'm sorry. Did I say that? Yes, there, there were a couple of movies, big budget movies, that several of them actually, that were the same basic situation, but took a different angle. Uh-huh. One of those was Deep Impact. <laughs> this was a sort of a serious yeah. end of the world asteroid strikes the world. It had Morgan Freeman, it had Tia Leone and Elijah Wood and Robert Duvall and Maximilian Schell, Lili Sobieski, the Polish princess. Um uh, <clears throat> Did well. I mean, obviously, it was number six. Uh, made a lot of money. It was a DreamWorks production. But again, the asteroid hit the world, and the world then. Uh, at number five, a movie that really brought Pixar a lot of claim, A Bug's Life. I don't get that. I, 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 it, I, think, it's one of the we- I think it's one of the weakest of the Pixar movies. Oh, I liked A Bug's Life. And okay, moving on. Sim- similar to Deep Impact, the same year, that same year, they came out with a, a, another, you know, digital bug movie called Ants, where they had all sorts of Hollywood A-listers being the voices for a bunch of ants, and it didn't really do anything. But obviously, for some reason. In 1995, a whole bunch of people sitting around tables in Hollywood like, like we, the American people, want to watch a movie about bugs. Let's make it. Uh, at number four, a movie which entertained me greatly. I truly enjoyed this movie. It's not a man cave movie, but it's a good comedy. There's something about Mary. Okay, whatever. Hard audience. I liked it. Suck it. Number three, a movie that Jeff Muncy made me go watch. The Michael Broderick Godzilla Uh, with Jean Reno. Okay, just keep going. Number two, and I want to know, at number two, not number one, number two, is a movie which you will not be huffing and puffing and rolling your eyes. Saving Private Ryan. A, uh, but number two? That's why, why I stressed it. Wait till you hear us number one. Because we did Private Ryan not that long ago. Right. And number one, the very best movie of the year. The one people were really looking for and really appreciated. I went to see, spent their money. Michael Bay's Armageddon. With Bruce Willis. Oh. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, and Liv Tyler. Uh. Mm. All right. Well, there you go. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Well, there you go. That's, wow.
So we're going to move on to the, uh, wow. wow, Ken, really? We're going to move on to the Man Cave Movie Checklist of this great and fantastic film. Number one. Did anyone jump through a window? Ooh. No. No. I think a lot of glass broke in the background, but no jumping through windows. Right. Yeah. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? No. 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 Not at all. Number three. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? There were several. <laughs> there were there said. were a lot of sons of bitches in this movie. So the uh, Russian I, mob, Stone Skarsgård. I think they all paid at some point in this yeah. movie. So the poor the you know the guy wasn't a son of a bitch, but he was Jean Reno's high school classmate. <laughs> and he paid. <laughs> poor I love that part. Paid. No, you have to hit a. I went to high school. I could live with myself. That's that. awesome. Yeah, he's, just, he's just a bystander, just sitting there like getting paid minimum wage. And what happens? Wham. Wham. All right. Uh, next. <laughs> was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? There wasn't that I noticed. No. Nope. But there was ample opportunity, again, with the who knows how many Poor bystanders dying. Yeah. They could have easily thrown a Wilhelm scream in here or there. I agree. All right, next. Could the female role be better played by Tommy Katane? No. I'll say no. She couldn't pull off an Irish accent, but then they could have just said she was working for you know, whatever American outfit. I don't know. Hmm. All right, move on. Move I'm not, on. I'm not All right, you. next. Was there a montage in this movie? Not really. There were some scenes, some, some sections that verged on it to me, but not really. I know what you're saying. And I agree. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You, you're right. There's a couple that you get close. Yeah. All right. All right, gentlemen. Last, and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? Uh, did you check? Well, I was counting on somebody to be here, but... Uh, okay, hold on. No, that's all right. Okie dokie. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I'm I guessing I, no. Yeah, I'm betting not. Yeah, I'm... No. But I don't think so. Not yeah. this right, right era, but wrong continent. Right. Yeah, the only one I thought might have been in it would have been Ron Perkins, the guy with the newspaper, and he was not. Right. And this is not really a big cast. No. No, it's not. I mean, well, the thing of it, it's a big cast, but it's big A-list, big B-list actors. These are not guys that are going to be in. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That is it with our checklist. And, and we are now moving on to 
the Man Cave movie review. The, the review. Well, you, I well, think no, Mark ought to do it. No, I did last week's. Yeah, but this was your choice of movie. No, 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 no. no. Steve, and, do this one. Are you serious? All right, can can do this one. I mean, all right, I will. I will be happy. I will step up. I'm a team player. I'm a professional. So Ronan, uh, you know, John Frankenheimer. This was one of his late, late later movies, but he has done a lot of quality work over the years. It's well written. Uh, what written, if I understand it correctly, by David Mamet. Uh, he was a script doctor. Yeah, it was. Very tight script. They get a lot done without a lot of talking. Like we said, a lot of laconic, curt conversations. You've got a, a small cast of hard-boiled, strong characters. Nobody really is a pushover. Uh, it, you know, it's sort of a caper movie, like we said. They're, they're chasing the MacGuffin. They're chasing the case. Lots of betrayal. You can, I think Mark said it earlier, you can go into this saying, like, I'm just going to kind of watch it, you know, here and there and, you know, make a sandwich. And I know I'll still have a good time watching it from that angle. It's just an action flick. But there's a lot going on, and it's well worth it if you're going to watch this movie. Sit down, you know, pay attention. It'll 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 reward you for your uh, attention. <clears throat> Not much of a soundtrack. Good actors. Solid acting. All around, uh, like I commented, I like the scenes, the uh, settings, the chase scenes are awesome. This thing well deserves its reputation for, for being one of the best movies with auto chases, and a lot of it was done for real. This, this is not CGI cars; this is real cars. Uh, cinematography was great, very clean. Uh, didn't. Uh, you know, it's just a first class movie all around. Got good reviews. Uh, it didn't make the top 10 or anything, but then again, just simple action flicks don't tend to do that. Overall, most people that, you know, when you look at various reviewers and lists and things like that, this movie's up there. It's well regarded. It's held up well. Uh, it is sort of a, you know, Monument to that moment in time, that you know, end of the Cold War, a few years after the Cold War ended, there were actually, you know, lots of various uh, former intelligence or former military people running around trying to make a living uh, doing this and that. I mean, I can remember reading some story back in this time frame about Serbian mercenaries in the Congo. It's like they you know they got to make a buck, so they wound up in the Congo. I'm like, what the heck? So people actually were doing things like this. We've commented on the main actors and actresses. They all give a solid performance. I, I don't think I can say that anybody here gave a weak performance. It, it is a small cast, but the people that are here do a first-rate job. So with all that, I'm going to have to say I'm going to give it an 8.75. Wow. Mark? I this is a throwback movie. I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you grew up in this or ever watched any of those seventies movies, French Connection, or even eighties movies, late eighties, uh Serpico, um, Bullet, any any of those kinds of movies, 
This is a real throwback movie. Now it's 98, so it is end of the Cold War. It, it It's a classic man cave movie of car chases and guns. And the and it is the ultimate MacGuffin movie. Um, I I'm gonna agree with Jeff. I'm mean, Jeff. Shit. I'm sorry, Ken. Wow. I'll be paying for that forever. I'll go. I'll go shave my head. And yeah, I'll be go back. shave your head. And I'll sit. My foot. And I I'm 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 gonna do a. Yeah. I'm I'm. Wow. I uh, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna do a Larry to myself and slit my throat. Um, you know what? I I am not going to even feel remotely bad oh, I'm closing this show like out tonight. Um, I I would say it's streaming on Amazon Prime. If you're an Amazon Prime member and you've never seen this movie, you're missing a quintessential man cave movie. Uh, and I'll agree with Ken. I really like this movie. It 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 didn't get a lot of notoriety, which is a shame. But if you go into it. And you like car chases, you like spy thrillers, you like gunfights, you like these actors, you'll really enjoy it. And then if you walk away from it for about two or three days and watch it again, you're going to catch a lot of the tells in this movie. And you're going to go, oh, wow, there, there's another level to this movie. And I'm not saying this is a deep movie. It's not. But there are some really neat little tells in this movie. And I, I give... um Frankenheimer, a lot of credit, and the actors. It's 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 an enjoyable movie, uh, all around. So I'll 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 line up with Ken on this one. Okay, uh, Mark, what was your uh, review on this one? I'm going to agree with Ken. Eight point seven five. Eight point seven five. I am yeah. going to echo every damn thing Mark said about this movie. It's spot on. I. It's fun. I, yeah, it's fun. You have to watch this movie. Spada cannot say anything different than what Mark said. So, there you go. And Ken, great review. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. All right, well, there you go, folks. That is it with the Man King Movie Review, episode 180. We are 20 episodes away from Zardoz. Did <laughs> yeah. I mention I, I'm, I'm going to be waxing my... Dog that night. I'll yeah, tell you what, I, I just, I was, I, I had, I had lunch with Miller the other day and we talked about it. We, it's going to be you and Miller doing that podcast. I think it might be. So there I, you go. I'm going to, I'm going to be steam cleaning the, the, the cat. <laughs> and I don't even have a cat. So I got to I keep saying, him. we need to lure Miller in here. I keep telling him, I'll say, oh, Scott, I'm, what the heck? That's I, the one. You're going to have to have him over. I might have to. Oh, so there you go. That is oh. it with the Bad Game Movie Review, episode 180. Uh, check us out at our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Leave us a comment. Tell us if you liked the show or did not like it. And look for us on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review and follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until our next show, if you dare come back after this one i am your good and dear friend and your host signing off steve michaels with my other very good dear friends mark what's the color of my outhouse slover uh if you don't mind everyone steve is going to pass out <laughs> you know what dude that's <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Love it. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
All right, and also saying farewell, adieu, arvidos, and is our other very good and dear friend, Ken. I'm going to give you a cigarette because I'm management. Rony. Look, Steve, if this podcast is going to be amateur night, you're going to have to pay Mark and I much, much more. <laughs> yeah, like something. Oh, wow. Let me do the math here. Nothing for nothing. Carry the nothing. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Nothing. <laughs> zero plus zero. Carry the zero plus zero. All right, well, there you go. That's it with Man Came Review, episode 180. Hope you like the show. Until next time, ciao.